Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ankler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here at the Ankler on uh, Thursday, uh, July 27th, back here in New York City. Uh, joined, of course, by Elaine Lowe, who, as always, is in Los Angeles. Elaine, uh, fresh from a strike line, it, it looks like. No, I mean, it looked great, but, you know, it looks like you've been in some, <laughs> LA, some LA heat there a little bit this morning. Is that uh, is that accurate? Yeah, so, heat stroke adjacent right now, and it's only 10 a.m. All right. And a very tan Richard Rushfield from Los Angeles. Richard, uh, I love the tan look here. I don't know what, what you're doing, but it's working for you. <laughs> back from back from summer in Spain. Uh, That'll do it. Faded from... Uh... Uh, a deep burn to uh to to to, to very soothing tan nice burnt sienna yeah nice nice hollywood executive level burnt sierra it's very very nice richard so it doesn't hurt to speak anymore so <laughs> always a plus on a podcast uh and joining today uh new uh contributing uh editor here at the angler uh and former office cubicle mate of elaine Lowe, uh Woo! claire atkinson hi everybody Hey, Claire, no inside jokes between the two of you today, by the way. All right. Just saying. We'll try our best. They, of course, work together over at Insider. Uh, Claire is also uh, in the newsletter game herself, running a newsletter and podcast empire over at the Media Mix. That's correct. Uh, me- TheMediaMix.substack.com. There you go. There's the address. Definitely recommend signing up. For Claire's missives, um, as always, before we dive in, you can follow The Ankler on all social platforms at The Ankler. Subscribe to The Ankler at TheAnkler.com to get the full suite of newsletters and podcasts, including uh, all of Richard's missives, my missives, Claire's work uh, over here at The Ankler, and of course, uh, Elaine's as well. And also get more of Elaine over at The Ankler's Strikegeist newsletter, totally free at Strikegeist.com for all things strike related, nothing to do with sweating on the picket lines, although maybe a little bit, Elaine. I actually will have some advice for avoiding heat stroke from one helpful uh, cooling <laughs> station captain today. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right, get, that, get all that and more. Let's just say that over at, uh, at Strikegeist.com. Uh, my head's been buried deep in earnings reports all week in earnings calls, so... I'm going to hand the mic over to Elaine this week to lead the conversation. Elaine, it's all yours. Oh, excellent. All right. I get to dominate the mic this week. Um, Hi, everyone. Would love to start off with Richard's column, uh, Fluke in the Ointment, of course, about Barbie and Barbenheimer. Now, who among us has seen one or both so far? (laughs) Not me. (laughs) I've seen a lot of marketing for both of them. Does that count or no? (laughs) I think we've all been inundated with the Barbie marketing. Uh, It's pink everything. I was an early, as you know, early Barbie adopter, though. Uh, you were. Even though I haven't actually seen it. You were a big hit. And uh, Barbie is a big hit. Over 500 million globally, over 200 million at the domestic box office. Uh, I'd like to take early credit for uh, my... <laughs> Sean, you're shaking your head. Uh, Richard's taking credit. You're taking credit. All right, guys. What That's is your on cut? my list. I said it was going to be a big hit. And Richard was like, it's a wild card. And I said, that's going to be a big hit. <laughs> All right. Again. All right. All right, Flash. We're getting back to your... Look, one out of three ain't bad. One out of three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. The Hollywood ratio. Yes, exactly. But definitely dominating the talk this week for sure. But Richard, what does this say about the movie industry? What what big things can we extrapolate from this? Well, uh, you know, I I don't like to draw uh, you know crazy conclusions from one weekend's box office or even from one summer's box office because a lot of a lot of particular variables into each film and each lineup and people will rush after uh, one week to say original films are what everybody wants. People people want movies about dolls. People want movies uh, every movie to star 
Ryan Gosling or whatever, which, you know, any of those may be true on certain. Not day, arguing but, with that one, Richard. But, uh, <laughs> you know, in every it, in every movie you have, you've got the IP, you've got the stars, you've got the date, you've got the campaign, you've got the execution. So a lot of particular variables. So uh, I'm not I'm not rushing to draw any great conclusions, but um, the, the the point was Hollywood was uh, was feeling bad uh before this weekend and it was 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 right uh rightly or wrongly it was was down in the dumps and and most importantly it would what 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 hollywood has done even even before the streaming war in, in terms of films was put everything into the into the giant tentpole bucket and anything that wasn't a giant tentpole was 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 squeezed away and we we're looking at a future where there was nothing but you know part 15 of all these mega series and then based on this summer wondering if those could even be profitable because the expenses were, were so huge on them, you know, combine that with, with the sense of uh, on, on, on the streaming side that everything is just in the fight going into this, this fire hose of content, like pouring at us in this torrent and nothing is, is unique or, or original or distinguished from anything else. And series come and go quicker before you even realize that you've had them and what what barbenheimer did uh was give us a a a little a little bit of hope that there's a future that isn't just the fire hose that isn't just everything being fed into the fire hose and barely being able to eke out a profit and the implication of that uh, of that vision which has been sort of the default if unspoken vision of hollywood for the past years is if if the movies and shows are are uh, indistinguishable and interchangeable then certainly the people who make them are as well and you know if 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 one show is the same as all the others and certainly one writer is the same as all the others and uh if that's the case then uh you know squeeze them every way you can if you're a studio this gave us hope that that art and artists are are still important and still matter and i i i issued a a rallying cry to to Hollywood to, to to smash the fire hose and uh and come back and, and realize what you know we're not in in the in the strike also there's a lot of talk about we're workers we're everything yes we're workers but we're show people also and we do things that are big and crazy and wild and can't be predictable and that's why uh if you're running a studio you need a lot of them and uh, a lot of people that know what they're doing uh to do to do those wild crazy things that uh one of one of which somewhere is going to turn out to be a hit, like, you know, making a uh, sort of tongue in cheek film about a 60 year old doll that's been floating around in development for for over a decade here or, or you know, a a bio, a three hour biopic about the most depressing topic uh, you can imagine. And speaking of which, it's like the juxtaposition of those two. I mean, it's not like universal and warners came together and we're like yeah let's release these both on the same weekend and create this weird barbenheimer phenomenon but that was something that sort of sprung out of social and then took on real life it seems like it was off also you know that this date has been christopher nolan's date since the beginning and then christopher nolan left left warners for um for uh universal so you can read what you like into their decision to put the, one of their big summer movies opposite on, on his, on his date uh, opposite that, but uh, it ended up uh, and it ended up probably helping him in the, uh, there. 
And Sean, I mean, you're you're a marketing vet. What do you what do you make of the Barbenheimer phenomenon? Uh, there's been a few interviews with the, the folks at WB, and you know, uh, this week, and like, you know, how did you create this? And back, you just lean into it. Like, there's just, there's a kismet that comes on with the marketing campaign. You either go with it or you try and fight it. And they came out of the campaign, and Elaine, you even talked about this back when we had this conversation at the top of the summer. You love her or you hate her. And like, you never say hate in a marketing campaign, but like, yeah. they took these like bigger bolder steps of the campaign as well that you traditionally would not do so and 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 i'll say back back at CinemaCon when they debuted that campaign a lot of other uh marketing people were very skeptical about that path right right and it's look it could have could have fallen on its face and it could you know but it went the other and or those ideas i kind of you know either you're gonna live or live or die by it and they i I think sean i just want to weigh in here that i think you're right you know the marketing is part of the story and it to me it's been part of the entertainment of uh the movie like i you know naturally wouldn't care about seeing a barbie movie um but it's it's been everywhere uh i typed in barbie into the google search box my whole screen went pink and the little kind of diamonds stars just jump out of you and that's like kind of a charming thing and the marketing has been everywhere and it feels like the first time in really a long time maybe since COVID that I have felt like I, if I don't go and see Barbie, then I'm out of the conversation of what people are talking about right now. And it, you know, I think that it's been a long time since marketing has created that feeling. It used to be at least once a month, I'd feel that way. And and it's back. And I hope that, you know, marketing departments at studios take heart and say, you know what, what's the wildest thing we can do for our next movie coming out? Yeah, and, th- and, th- and this is part of what I was writing about. Like, I was going to the malls even even yesterday, and there's still these uh, gangs of people all wearing hot pink, wandering around going to, to see the movie. And like, and these like enormous Barbie installations in the malls too. These like yeah. very active promos. And what else? What else can achieve that in our culture? Get get everybody excited and dressing up and getting out of their houses. Only Taylor Swift. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and minions and minions. But yeah, yeah I don't exactly. know. Maybe the Super Bowl also like is uh, right. Yeah. Some, something that but very few places that can that can summon that kind of energy and excitement uh, in a way that's not divisive and uh, and 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 hateful like much of social media is. And that's in my piece what I was going like, you know, we are show people. We, we being Hollywood, not me in particular, but uh, <laughs> we can. We can inspire people to uh, to to uh, do big things and have big experiences and emotions that uh, no no one else can. And we should need to stop thinking of ourselves as uh, as little cogs in the quarterly report, quarterly earnings report here. Yeah. And it also, you know, features, I mean, Margot Robbie's a known name, but you know, she's not Julia Roberts, like a new star, a new face. And it's like, this isn't, you know, as much as, you know, it's great to see Tom Cruise back in, in Maverick last summer. It's Tom Cruise. Like, you know, okay, great. Margot Robbie is now one of the biggest stars in the world. I mean, really, like, we don't, whatever she wants to do next, she is on that list now. And this, this, this is what that does. These are the kinds of movies that take you to that julia roberts level of like okay you are now this this brand name so i mean you know ryan gosling certainly was already probably up there to a degree but uh and other you know parts of the members of the cast too so it has that element claire too of just being this i mean barbie's not new richard to your point has been around for 60 years but just this iteration of you know a younger this isn't a 65 year old male white director doing it it is someone with a new take and i can't wait to see what she does next and it's like how often are those things created where where people say where is the next 
you know, PTA, where's the next Quentin Tarantino? And it's like, well, this, you know, they don't have, they don't get formed that often, Claire, but when they, this is how these good things, these stars crystallize, get made, right? Yeah. I mean, I I do think this is a movie for young women at its heart and it, it reminds women of their childhood and playing with the dolls. And I do think like the Taylor Swift era's tour happening around the same time, uh, the times had lots of kind of thinky, uh, pieces about girlhood and the power of women and, and on and on and on. And, you know, maybe there's something to be said for this is an overlooked audience uh, that hasn't really been catered for. And, you know, the comic book movies are very directed at young men. And this is something, you know, very different. Um, the thing I want to know is if you're looking at like uh, sort of this phenomenon, right, of like Barbenheimer or or even just Barbie, it's like, but what is the next one? What is the next one that can generate that kind of marketing buzz around it? That's the thing. They're always uh, it, it's always lightning striking. You never you, you can you can never. Right. I mean, this is the movie business. I mean, you know, uh, last summer, you know, Top Gun Maverick. Oh, you can't do that again. Well, we just did it again and something way different. It's a cultural phenomenon of the summer. Like, you know. This no, Marvel has taught us, it's done some good things, but it's taught people very bad lessons in that you need Bar- Marvel's, these movies are the only things that can do this. And Barbie's showing, no, this is what we used to do before we got into this during the 2010s era of, well, they can only be Marvel films, DC films, or Harry Potter films. That's used, it. Used to have a for- even a formula for you. You'd make 20 movies a year and hope that two of them turned out this way. It was the uh, hits so, uh, make up for the duds, as you know, you always say, Richard, and I've adopted that phrase as well. Yeah. And, and writing is about this too, where like like the streaming business in Hollywood, you know, things got stupid and people forgot what the business was. And this is a reminder that. I mean, Super Mario, same thing. Again, it's existing IP, but there wasn't no, there was no, again, book series about this. There was no, you know, it's a video game, which is the the plot, you know, it's a creative adaptation. There's not a lot of canon you need to really, you know, keep in this thing. So it's just a reminder of what Hollywood, Richard, but you wrote about, I thought was very well put. It's a reminder of what Hollywood used to do and what they do best. And you can't, it's not a quarterly earnings friendly thing where, oh, how do you do the next one? Just can't be repeatable. I'm like, it will be repeated. You just don't know what it is. And that's why you have to make the movies. There's no other way around. There's no shortcut that Marvel falsely intimated to people that, oh, there's a there's a formula. Here's how you do it. The thing I quote a lot is a, a producer uh, said to me um, about the, uh, the streaming wars here and where Hollywood is general. The, the place that wins will be the place that has the greatest uh, tolerance for failure. Hmm. Because the, the the more at bets at bats you have, and the more different things that you're willing to try, the more likely you are to come up with the with the next big thing. Exactly, and you don't know what it, and you can't predict it, Richard. It's like you just, I mean, you can make an educated guess, you can add this star, you can do whatever, but this is just a reminder of you know, the, nope. At the start of this, I mean, as part of Elaine's uh, soothsaying abilities aside, Barbie was not the movie that everybody was like, oh yeah. That's the one that's going to break, you know, be the movie of the summer, you know, in a sense. So uh, even two months ago, this, you know, CinemaCon was dominated by the flash talk. Barbie had a trailer, but it wasn't the, the narrative that came out of that. Except me. I saw. Ex- I just said you had. <laughs> but let, let, and let, let's also give a hats off to the, uh, the other person who saw uh, Toby Emmerich, who's. Uh, uh, that's true. It's, uh, tossed around a lot these these days, but uh, was the one who had the had the uh, guts to to green light this and make and, and make this happen and and give it to Greta Gerwig there. Right. The former head of uh, Warner Brothers Pictures, who's uh, no longer was in a producing deal there, I guess. But yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's a lot of things here, Elaine, but it's it's I mean, to me, it just I mean, Richard, you captured this a bit, but 
it's what makes our business fun. Everybody's, you know, is pretty down these days. And it's like, and even this week, pieces were coming out like, well, you can't do this. And it's like, guys, enjoy the win. This is a huge victory for your business. And did you all, did you all find that uh, very strange? Like all the, yeah. the, the box office write-ups that were like, well, this, well, this isn't going to happen again. And this is don't enjoy the fluke while you can. Because People have become acclimated to pessimism. Right. And they don't want their, their takes from three weeks ago that to be wrong. Indiana Jones proved that cinema is dead. So so don't, don't don't think they don't think we're walking away from that. Right. Exactly. We're sticking to it. So anyway, I but one more final thing, Claire, you are in over in France. I'm curious, what's the is it permeating over in Europe or and Richard, you I, too were, you know, over there. Yeah, I I was at a, a for old French brasserie that I've been going to a long time and I sat at the table and there was a Barbie cover underneath the glass, which I was completely stunned by. I haven't seen the movie because my French is not that great. Uh, <laughs> maybe I could pick up what is happening without the, the language. It probably sounds really cool. I don't know. Barbie and French to me, just something something about that like seems like the right way to see it. But maybe I get your point. Yeah. Right. Two, right. two things always astonish me going to Europe from, from Los Angeles is that how many fewer movie ads and TV show ads there are every like in Los Angeles. It's, you know, it's the wallpaper of the city is, is yeah. or tea. And, you know, I don't think that's even true in the rest of America. But when you go to Europe, it's like, wow, are there this is there no TV in this country? It's what would they, you know, you don't see. And the other thing that always uh, astonishes me as a side uh, is I don't know what the uh, the licensing um, the licensing laws are in, in Europe and, and Spain in particular, but. You know, you go, we we went to a little uh, a little fair that had you know carnival rides and everything, and they'll just do like Donald Duck, like getting a piggyback from Mr. Bean or something, and it's just like you know things things that if if someone had a showed up with a shirt like that at a at a carnival in America, like there would and be lawyers a thousand would Disney lawyers like descending <laughs> on the place and putting everyone in hazmat suits, but. <laughs> Uh, apparently you can do whatever you want with uh, with with uh, proprietary characters there until now, now that you've alerted yes. <laughs> yes. To the shenanigans out, in Europe. Go check out the Spanish carnival scene. Uh, Disney. <laughs> Disney hey, you got you got to find money somewhere, Richard. You know, come on. That's it. Now, Richard, I know you have to leave us now early, but uh, if you had to place a bet on uh, sort of what is the next Barbenheimer phenomenon, I mean, what what could you place it on? Are we looking at like a Gran Turismo? Or are we looking at uh, what, what do you think? I'm standing by strays. Uh, mm. Okay. The, the F-bomb laden dog comedy. I think yeah. it's going to be a, a big hit. I, I, I've heard there's 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 one scene in particular that uh, is going to be the viral uh the viral moment of, of the year. So, all right. Well, thanks as always the angler himself. And, <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of wall street a little earlier, uh, Claire, you wrote something very interesting this week for us in your debut piece for the angler, uh, about, uh, uh tell us, what is it? The, the idiots yeah. on wall street, the idiots in the studios. T tell us about the idiots. Well, the assignment was to ask wall street what they thought about, uh, the strikes. And so I called a lot of analysts and Michael Pachter, as you know, is a quote machine and character gave me a money quote, which basically said, I think that you know, Wall Street feels like the studio bosses should just get down and do a deal and that this is a dumb thing. This whole strike could be avoided. 
Um, and I think the feeling generally among the analysts that I spoke to who are very seasoned people, they've watched the industry for a long time. Neil Begley at Moody's is obviously not uh, an equities analyst. He's a, uh, analyzes debt. And so, you know, the, the picture that they come away with is this is just bad news and it's, it's uh, you know, credit negative. And, uh, you, know, you know, if there's no shows, there's very little reason to come and advertise. And so there's just a knock on effect. It's not just about the cost of increased um, fees for actors and directors and writers. Uh, that is is pretty minimal in the grand scheme of things. And obviously, there, you know, there's this situation um, where the analysts and, and Wall Street wants to know when are we going to see profits from the streaming services that you've been pouring billions of dollars into? And so, you know, that was a question today on the on the Comcast call to do today. There was uh, two analysts who said, when are we going to see profits at Peacock? And, you know, there was no real answer to that. Um, it was a little bit of a dodge and a dodge. Uh, <laughs> just, just did not just did not engage, like not even like yeah, hey, we're not going to comment yeah. on like, don't ask about the war. Don't mention yeah. the war. It's like <laughs> it's a topic we cannot talk about at this stage. So yeah, it's, the, it's the Voldemort to the Comcast call. Yeah. yeah. And then they would they you know, they did talk about the strike. Um, Mike Kavanaugh, who's the the interim chief at NBCU, he's also the president of Comcast. Interestingly, uh, he introduced the Comcast call and not Brian Roberts, which raised a few eyebrows. Um, and and Mike basically was asked about the strikes and responded that you know they were looking for committed to um, a deal, a fair deal, which is the you know the line that everybody has been trotting out, which essentially means nothing, right? What, yeah. what does a fair deal mean? It's very different if you're sitting in his shoes versus the uh, WGA or SAG. And so, you know, he went on to say that that probably they're going to be okay till the end of 23. And if it drags on, then 24 is where it, it's going to hit. But until then, they've got plenty of NFL. They've got plenty of other shows, Big Ten. And I think he reeled out a couple of movies from uh, Jason Blom obviously super mario i think is on the way to peacock yep. as well and um, and super mario i just checked has did 1.35 billion dollars worldwide so far so claire yeah. i'm curious what you make of the wall street's focus on the strike versus their focus on getting to streaming profitability i mean like which one do you feel like is more of a focus because at least from what i've been seeing it seems like the strike hasn't really had that much of an impact on the share prices, on on you know really the the, the short term outlook yeah. of some of these analysts, um, and it's like you look at Netflix earnings last week. It got a bunch of price target hikes. It's you know got an extra yeah. one point five billion dollars in free cash flow. Of course, it's temporary, just like how a COVID bump because of the production right. shortage was stoppage yeah. was temporary. But uh, but I mean, it just see it feels like Wall Street doesn't really react to the strike. No. I mean, what, what do you take? I think that's a really good question, Elaine. You know, Comcast was up 6% today. And I, I think the answer is the street doesn't think this is going to hurt anybody because it could be resolved and they can all stretch their library or whatever for three months or so. But if it goes on, then I think it's a big material question. You know, what are they going to put on in 2024? What's going to be in the movies? Uh, what's going to be on streaming then? And then people start to notice, oh my gosh, there's no shows. And then how do you get new subscribers to anything? 
if you can't show we've got something new to roll out to you this week or this month. And so it will become a big factor. I think right now it just goes in the bucket with streaming losses. Okay, you know, there's uh, losses everywhere and this is just another problem. But then, you know, you and I were at the upfronts in May and- That was a weird upfronts. It was very strange to see, you know, anchors from NBC News present uh, entertainment. And, you know, it was really mi- missing the actors. Who didn't want to see CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin present the next NBC <laughs> primetime drama? <laughs> That's new yeah, calling. It was, yeah, it was kind of a weird flex, right? Um, but, you know, right now the, the network upfronts are wrapping up. I think they're weak. And I think that Mike Kavanaugh mentioned that advertising is weak right now. And so there's not just the cost of the changing contracts to consider there's the cost of the advertising that you lost because maybe the big advertisers said, well, you know, where are the new shows? Where is your investment in your product? And, you know, if you can't show me that, maybe I'll go over to TikTok or maybe I'll spend some more in threads and uh, there's other considerations. And so, you know, it'll be really interesting to see further down the line uh, what happens, what happens if this carries on. I mean, Sean, what was your takeaway? I know you're on all the earnings calls. I mean, what was your takeaway in sort of the the, the strike versus streaming losses uh, equation of it all? Yeah, I mean, the thing about Comcast and, uh, you know, it's a broadband and essentially now a mobile phone company. It's not a studio where these other, this the pass that they got from the street, in a sense, will not happen at Warner Brothers and Disney and Paramount, more Paramount and uh, WBD for sure. Disney at least has theme parks uh, because, yeah, uh, that's not what the street values Comcast on. They get value, you know. The, so the big news out of, out of, the, out of the Comcast call is broadband average revenue per user is up four point five percent. That's why they get the stock's up six or seven percent, six or seven percent today. Uh, Peacock losing six hundred and fifty one million dollars in three months, on track to lose three billion dollars this year. You put that headline at Warner Bros. Discovery or Paramount, I guarantee you there will be a much different reaction from Wall Street on that. So part of it is that. Um, and Mike, uh, you know, Kavanaugh really was, I would declare as nonplussed sound a, 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 a fair adjective to his tone or, or what, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, he did break some news, I guess. He told us that there was very little interest in uh, ESPN. ESPN is not happening. Yeah. That was the one <laughs> Sounds thing. Sounds like yeah. it's really not happening. And I guess it's too complicated, right? There's Uh, already a a minority shareholder in there in Hearst. If Comcast were to come in too, it would have, I think he said there would be tax issues and, you know. Also who wants a cable network? Um, Hello, (laughs) you know, uh, the list of growth things, Elaine, you know, for Comcast, our our growth, uh, where we're going to have growth in the next few years, TV was not on there. So Mm. essentially Mike's tone was, yeah, why would we want to get further into the cable business, uh, cable TV network business? I mean, it's worth sharing another stat, Sean, as well. The 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 cable subs for the quarter were down uh, five hundred and forty three thousand, and yep. Cord Cutter News calculated that to be six thousand people a day cut their <laughs> cable TV package. And you know, you wow. have to be worried. And they're not signing up for Peacock in lieu of that. Two million, yeah, two million extra people did sign up, but they were conversions from Comcast mostly. I think this is the this is the country's largest cable TV provider, uh, and who has that business as on their list of secular decline, and we're just going to manage it down until you know they're given up on it. Which is again, 
I've said it many times in the wake up, but it is the core of Paramount and the key core of WBD and it's still a pretty big tenant, you know, about 40% of Disney's revenue. So those numbers aren't great. Uh, Charter comes out tomorrow, which I would anticipate are probably not going to be great. Uh, Fios had numbers on Tuesday, which were similar before. So, and the Comcast decree, rate of decrease has increased 11%. It's 11% worse this year for the first half of the year than last year. So cord cutting is showing no signs of abating whatsoever. And other than that, uh, you know, the advertising thing was a little, you know, they, the advertising was down about 7%. It really wasn't in their comments Claire and he really again Mike yeah. wasn't really he's like yeah he was asked about it and it's just like yeah Q3 is going to be soft and um yeah well, that's about it thanks yeah I mean profits were up revenue was up yeah I mean it's you know it's worth it's worth talking about you know the, the recession we all felt like there was going to be this huge recession and while things are difficult at these companies the backdrop is changing and you know the US economy is growing faster than expected and we're starting to hear less of that word recession it seems to be fading into the background and you know even with all of these issues you know Comcast stock is doing better right. uh, and their profits are up and their revenues are up and they beat the street expectations and so you know the hope is that all of those job losses that we keep kept seeing in the first half of the year that maybe uh, that can slow down a little bit. Although, yeah. you know, th there's the constant conversation on the earnings calls that they have to restructure that linear business and put the, make the, sure the costs are in line with where that business is at. So there will continue to be, sh you know, shrinking in job losses in cable, I think. Oh, for sure, for and sure. continued spend in streaming. So streaming is a place to be. They, yeah. Streaming was number five on their list of growth, you know, but again, to clear to your point, they have not set, any timeline for a profit and they're spending the spending increase to lane two to over a billion dollars a quarter now, you know, so they have not done what Iger and Zazov have done in terms of like, we're dialing the, you know, the dial back here on how much we're spending. They've spent, their spending was up about 60% in a year on, on Peacock. I don't know where it's all going, but you know uh, it's a million, a billion a quarter. So you're not hearing a lot of this talk. And there's a lot of the way Mike talked about that was like, you know, linear, we're taking resources from linear and putting them in streaming. But again, there's no plan for it will pay off here. And Claire, to your point too, what he was saying about, you know, the strengths of streaming was sports, which is NFL and big 10 footballs on this fall, Bravo, which is unscripted, you know, mm -hmm. and the movies from universal studios, they're very big on the movie business. But what he was not saying was Peacock originals, uh, you know, or the NBC schedule. doesn't seem like that's the real future of what Peacock's going to be. And you could see sports, you know, yeah. kind of being a, a lot of talk of sports, uh, Claire and I talk sports too. talk. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, once in, once upon a time, it would be very strange for any of these companies not to mention their broadcast network or their cable <laughs> right. operations. And, and NBC and was not talked about. Yeah. NBC, the, the proud peacock of, uh, you know, the NBC news got a shout out, you know, uh, was the closest that it came to. Yeah. But one thing, Elaine, just in context of the week, we also had meta and Google, you know, reports as well. And, Back to the advertising question, you know, so advertising at NBC was down 7% and there was no hope that like, oh, the fall we're seeing green shoots or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's going to be soft again, where the numbers at Facebook and Meta, back to Claire's point about the economy, seem to be it's stabilizing and even growing. So like advertising is returning, but it's just not returning to video, you know, linear or even streaming TV money. So I think that's, a, again, that shift of like, we'll see more 
again, when Paramount, WBD and Disney go, you know, in the next two weeks here. But that was one other caveat of like, oh, the, the economy is kind of taking a turn there, Claire, but not for all. Just not for you. Just not for <laughs> you. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, what, one of the one of the the questions, I guess, for all of these players is: to what extent do you want your streaming business to be successful? And what you know, what does success mean? Um, is twenty four million subscribers a success in the minds of the Comcast execs? Maybe it is because maybe they want to preserve what's uh, you know preserve the cable networks or preserve NBCU. And they don't want to crash that business until there's enough people viewing Peacock. Um, And so 24 million in the grand scheme of things is tiny, right? That's kind of like what Univision's uh, streaming service gets. But at the same time, one of the things that Neil Begley was mentioning to me, uh, you know, the Moody's uh, analyst, is that not very long ago, it was a scale play for everybody. And everybody was trying to get to the 200 million plus that Netflix was at. And they were prepared to pay God knows how much money for the content to get there. And that was certainly, you know, Bob Iger's playbook, Catch Netflix. Yeah. So, uh, you know, success means something different to everybody. If it's Amazon, it's different. If it's Apple, it's, you know, about uh, more iPhones or it's about uh, more sales in the iTunes stores and as much as it is about growing Apple TV Plus You know, it feels like we've all given up on the scale game, that that doesn't matter anymore to Wall Street. You know what I think is interesting is this whole growth at all costs model, right? That so many of these streamers were initially on and that Wall Street was essentially rewarding, right? Whenever they would report these huge subs gains. And now the street has just decided, no, like we we want to actually see the money. We want to see some of the, the, you know, the revenue and the profitability and let's see your profitability, um, you know, projections. It's like, Claire, what's your sense of how much Wall Street is sort of steering this conversation with these major entertainment companies. Well, yeah, I mean, profits, everything. And the turning point was the Netflix quarter, April 2022, when they had a really bad quarter. The, you know, they had to shut down their Russia business. The Ukraine war also affected the numbers. And I think they lost around 200,000 subscribers. And all of a sudden, investors freaked and they were like, wait, uh, this has stopped growing. What are we going to do? Um, what's the new narrative here? And everybody started talking about profits. And I think that's, you know, that's caused a lot of problems for a lot of these media companies that have to pivot uh, to whatever Wall Street's latest song sheet is. And that's not easy when you're um, running a company the size of Disney. And, you know, Bob Iger is under pressure to choose which toys he wants in the toy chest and to get rid of some other things. And I, I think that's uh, making life very difficult. And, you know, on the, the, the CNBC interview that he gave in Sun Valley, when he said that they need to, you know, maybe ABC is not core um, and maybe there's some cable channels that they should get rid of or maybe stations um, that's got everybody freaked out. But that's been a conversation that, that Disney's been having for years and years. And so, you know, these are very existential questions for big media giants who, you know, as I said, uh, and as you guys know, that ad revenue is, uh, you know, flowing away to other outlets. Uh, it's still strong at all these big media companies, but they have to come up with new models and, you know, bundle or consolidate. And there are, there are no good catalysts on the near-term horizon if you are 
a media investor right now. I mean, I don't know about you, Claire, but it also feels like it hits a little close to home, right? When we're talking about this, it sounds exactly like the journalism industry. And when you're seeing that ad revenue, it's just like, oh, the ad revenue is still floating around. Just not for you, the newspapers, because it's going to all the tech giants. Yeah. Just some numbers here. You know, Elaine, you know, I love numbers, so I'm going to interject with numbers, but um, carry on. <laughs> allowed. Um, <laughs> for us to a scope here, right? So Peacock's advertising revenue in, in Q2 was about $367 million. The linear TV business ad revenue in Q2 was $2.1 So even if com- uh, Peacock's ad revenue, which was up, I think, over 70% in Q2, sounds impressive. But if this is going to take the place of the transition, uh, this is not equating. So that's really, you know, at the heart of this. And again, why just this lack of a plan or, or anything out of the executives for Peacock? I'm like, what? How does this? How does this story end? Because this makes no sense, and I've seen no numbers here that have any semblance of showing me a, a rational narrative as to how this becomes a good idea. How this spending becomes a good idea. I mean, yes, I know it's not your business, and you have all this broadband money throwing off, you know, $8 billion in EBITDA every, every quarter, but it doesn't make it a good idea to, you know, to do this. And one other number I'll just want to drop out here, drop here is that, you know, the ARP, the ARPU, uh, this is for, this is for Janice. So she loves a good ARPU talk. <laughs> uh, but the ARPU for, uh, for Peacock is about $11 a month and they're losing $650 million a quarter. Yeah. So how many subscribers do you need to get to be profitable? And how many, you know, Peacock, is it going to get to 40 million? You know, it's at 24 million now. When did, when does that happen? That's not going to happen for years. When that, I mean, the, the, how's the I math guess, work here? I don't, I just don't understand it. I mean, I guess, you know, they're future proofing their business and maybe there's a day when they flip off the switch at NBC. I don't know when that day comes. Oh my but, God. That, you know, that's funny. I had that same thought listing today too. When I'm you, like, you know, you think about the Olympics and you think about all of those extremely expensive sports rights. And Mike Kavanaugh gave a hint that they were interested in NBA, which is right. also likely to double in price versus the last time it was uh, around. You know, if streaming is where people are going to be watching television in the future, um, then they have to make sure that they're there. And, you know, that I credit Comcast in making sure they've got everything. They've got the pay one movies on Peacock. They've got the sports, they've got the news. Um, You know, I think that Netflix would kill to have some of the assets that are on Peacock. And I just wonder, like, could better marketing, a better advertising of what Peacock is and the breadth of the content that is there help it get bigger subscriber numbers? I, I don't know, but I feel like people, I still talk to people who don't even know what Peacock is. And I'm like, really? Yeah. The marketing spend was plus 30% from last year too, FYI. So they are, they're pouring more money into it, but you know, the 2 million subs from Comcast subscribers is the, the net of that. You know, I mean, again, the Olympics next year will be a different story. You know, it's this weird time right now. I think also where a for both for the back to like the strike Elaine, where, you know, you're nobody's in that mindset of like, where's my blue bloods? Where's my Chicago fire? Like nobody, as soon as that no SNL, once this reality hits, unfortunately, it's not for another two months, really. But I think this con- the conversation will shift, Claire. And I, and I think that's, you know, it's a weird, we're all in the summer. It's, as we just said, it's 100 degrees out, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, once football preseason starts in a couple of weeks, like, oh, this will be a bigger problem. Maybe not from a business point of view. As you said, they didn't mention NBC on this call, but from a public perception, 
And if these, you know, they're starting to move films out of the fall is another thing too, not uh, Comcast, but other companies. So if Dune 2 moves out of the fall, if you're, you know, in a month's time, this could be a different conversation. It's not great news for the guilds per se, in that it's going to be another two months, but in another two months, you're going to have a much stronger negotiating position with all these companies because the public perception will have changed of what's going on, what's afoot here at the studios. That was a side of a side rant there. No, no, I'm interested in in what you guys think about whether the strikers are shooting themselves in the foot and actually giving the studios and the TV partners a chance to kind of reset the table. And Mm. one of the analysts asked that on the Comcast call, you know, how are you using this moment as you rejig management as the strikes are on to rethink your content offering? Um, And I think you can imagine that that's the kind of conversations they're having. Do we need these huge expensive deals with the people we're in business with, or does the strike give us an opportunity to get out of them? Um, So, you know, I'd love to know what you guys think of that. I think that's a short-term benefit, right? That uh, sort of the going wisdom right now that they get to cut these big overall deals. They get to be able to trim the fat, do quote unquote right-sizing as the corporate jargon term is, right? Um, but that's all short term. And then I think it's interesting when you see SAG after President Fran Drescher say on day one of the SAG strike that, hey, we're set up to go six months if we have to. And you do the math and that takes you into 2024. And that's where I think things start to hurt. Once that strike drags on into the next calendar year, then you're really messing oh, with, sure, you know, yeah. obviously not just the fall schedule, but the midseason schedule. You're looking at uh, the entire 24 box office slate. Things are getting pushed. Things are already getting pushed. You just really start to create this bottleneck and this sort of inevitable train wreck of a, of a schedule for everybody where there are things that are supposed to be in production that aren't and things that have to be rescheduled. And so uh, I think short term, the idea is, OK, they get to clean house a little at the studios. They get some extra additional free cash flow, particularly for a place like Netflix, which until a couple of years ago was really the street was really preoccupied with cash burn. Right. Like so that's a positive for them. But that's all short term. Um, but, yeah, I think if the strikers hold out, which it seems by all accounts they're prepared to do, as I talk to people out on the picket lines almost every day, they're ready to go into next year. So it's going to be a game of chicken. Yeah. And how does that reshape things? I mean, it's a long time to be out of work and not getting a paycheck too, Elaine. Yeah. So, you know, but the, the, the summer and not that they're choice in the matter was not the best time business cycle wise to be on strike. It's just, it's, a lot, it's just a quiet time. Um, but on the Q3 calls, uh, Mike ain't getting that pass on what's going to be for your bottom line here, where this time he basically said, well, we'll have a little more free cash flow now, a little less in 2024. And that was the answer. He's going to need more specifics than that. And the other Again, the other studios will definitely have to because they're much more, they're less guarded from it. But I do want to touch on one thing you've reported on a lot, Claire, is the executive structure and what's the net result of this. I think A, will be, you know, some rethinking of deals and things like that, as you mentioned, but also how these companies are organized. And Mike was asked specifically about that. He didn't really give a lot of detail, but Donna Langley is now the head of the TV studio as well. Yeah. And brings a fresh point of view. She doesn't have any of the baggage of any executive coming in the door there. Yeah, there's a lot to keep a watch on, I think. Uh, NBCU <laughs> is an intriguing story. And, you know, as we mentioned, it's wrapped up in the cotton wool of Comcast. And so they're protected in many ways and the street looks at their earnings and wants to know how well broadband is doing or how well the phone, the mobile phones business is doing. And it's not necessarily all about how well Peacock is doing. Um, You know, obviously Linda Yaccarino, their ad sales uh, chief, 
Is it Twitter now? Um, X, as it's now called. X, sorry. X, X, X come on, Claire. Formerly known as Twitter. Um, <laughs> you know, and so you would wonder if that departure means anything. I don't know. Maybe those same advertisers say it's okay. Uh, we are going to deal with Mark Miller or whoever else. And, you know, the ad revenue is a big question. And uh, you called out some really good numbers there, Sean, about Peacock's ad revenue. Yeah, I believe the way that uh, Writers Guild uh, negotiating co-chair Chris Kaiser in this very fiery speech to membership yesterday, he released a new video, said it called it a, a mutual suicide pact that the studios are all in together. <laughs> you know, maybe not be my term, but he's not maybe that far off, uh, depending <laughs> on how the, the Q3 earnings calls go, I guess, or, the, or the, maybe the Q2 ones next week. So we'll see. Uh, speaking of which, so next week, WWE coming up, Warner Bros. Discovery is a big one um apple who will say nothing um that we have the movie theater <laughs> business who will probably get a lot of questions about what happens when the fall schedule evaporates um uh sirius xm and altice will chime in as well with some more uh cord cutting updates so busy week there any haunted mansion fans or am i barking up the wrong tree here guys i still need to see barbenheimer first i do not like horror shows Interesting. We have that. It's a PG 13 film. It's Disney, but like, you know, you, based on a ride, but it's a horror film, you know, that they spent $150 million on. Wow. So we'll see how that does this weekend. Uh, we have Barbenheimer week two. We still have mission impossible out there. Still watching those numbers, uh, very carefully to see where that lands, which was probably the biggest, uh, recipient of the the downside of Barbenheimer was probably Tom Cruise in that sense. Uh, of course, subscribe to The Angler at theangler.com. You can find Elaine's uh, daily missives from the strike lines and all of the latest on the WGA and SAG strikes over at strikegeist.com. That one entirely free. And uh, Claire, where can people find you? TheMediaMix.substack.com and also on wherever you get your podcasts with The Media Mix Podcast. And what are you on X? which is a question that probably is, really doesn't sound great. <laughs> does sound weird. Probably Elon did that on purpose, right? On purpose, yeah, totally. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, I am at Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E-A-T-K-I. Nice, good handle. And uh, Elaine, of course, if you're on the strike lines, uh, where do they find you? Find me on Twitter or X at Elaine Lowe uh, or uh, email me, Elaine at theankler.com. All right, there you go. Thanks for uh, listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time.